0: You've tuned in to Supply Side Stories, the innovations, influencers, and breakthroughs defining the future of health and nutrition. Welcome to Supply Side Stories podcast. I'm Jessica Ravino, and today I'm being joined by Justin Singer, CEO and co-founder of Caliper Foods. Hi, Justin. Hey, Jessica. Thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: So I'm looking forward to our conversation. We're going to be talking about how to innovate in the CBD industry responsibly while accounting for the pervasive regulatory uncertainty. This topic is obviously top of mind for anyone who's doing business or looking to do business in the CBD industry. So why don't we dive right in? And I'd love to hear you know, from an ingredient standpoint, who are Calipers target customers?
1: So we like to say that our target customers are anybody with a compliance department. Um, The CBD is obviously a space that is uh, dangerous. Um, You have lots of regulatory uncertainty. You've got large information asymmetries between the manufacturers and the purchasers. You've got a lot of misunderstanding about what's going on in the regulatory front. But at the end of the day, we think there's a group of buyers who already have access to the national food and distribution infrastructure. And one thing we like to say about them is they don't buy products, they buy processes. So it's not just about providing a nano emulsified uh, CBD. That's great, but that's like, If you're a major food company you don't go to the store to buy sugar you're looking for quality systems you're looking for support with product development you're looking for analytical support on potency and shelf stability claims and you're looking for clinically substantiated claims around things like pharmacokinetics and you want all that wrapped up in a package that allows for scalable consistency uh cannabinoids are agricultural byproducts at least the vast majority of those out there today and the ones we're talking about and agricultural byproducts can in their natural state have variance, but variance is the enemy of scalability in any sort of production environment. So you want something that is consistent enough that you can label it accurately and completely, and that it can scale up without throwing that million dollar run into the trash because of some uncharacterized uh, constituent of the broader full spectrum compound that you brought in that maybe has an oxidative impact on the final product. So that's we're looking for people who recognize the importance of all of those issues they you can say that people have the patience to do it right but the infrastructure to do it big um, people who speak our people's language by which i mean food scientists from major food companies we we love nothing more than to talk to technical teams um, we got people here from white wave to known from church and Dwight. Um, from ingredient and Eurofins and they just love talking to people who've had similar experiences and care about operating compliantly the way that we all do, understanding that we hold deep responsibility for producing food products for the public.
0: Well, I love how you stated that and I couldn't agree more that it's really about, you know, making sure that the right supply chain partnerships are in place and the fact that your you know, your target customers are those who think about not just ingredients, but processes and particularly for this space that's so, so important.
1: Yeah, you just really have to be careful of buzzwords.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about development versus commercialization when working with CBD today.
1: Yeah. So it's an important distinction to understand. Uh, CBD, when you say that CBD is in a regulatory gray area, when I say CBD is in a regulatory gray area, it's important to define what that means. So the production of CBD through hemp cultivation and extraction is legal. It is explicitly legalized under the 2018 Farm Bill, the Agricultural Improvement Act. Um, There is no question about this. The USDA is out there doing rulemaking. Um, The DEA is trying to shove their nose in it, but are getting pushed back by the Senate Um, and Congress. Congress clearly wanted these products to be available. They wanted a new crop for farmers across the country. The holdup comes on the commercialization side. So it's one thing to it produce CBD, it's another thing to sell it to consumers in a packaged good format. And that's where the FDA comes in, and the FTC. They have province over that action. And so far, they've done nothing. Um, they've held some hearings last year, um, but they have really done their best impression of an ostrich to date. Uh, I think they've also tried to sit on the idea that this is going to be, this should be thought of as a drug because they had previously Uh, allowed it to be a drug or approved it as a drug. The problem is that that only works if you control the supply. Drugs are able to operate under that regulatory environment, because if you're a synthetic compound that only one person holds the patent to and only one person knows how to produce, that's very easy to control. But CBD is produced by plants that are now part of agricultural programs nationwide. There's absolutely no plan to stop the production of CBD. So the FDA is faced with a problem right now. Like, You've got 20 to 30 million people who are daily using CBD as a supplement product, and you've got, I, I believe the last number is something like 13,000 people, 6,000 people, who are using it as a pharmaceutical drug. And as a public health uh, overseer, which one are they going to care about? Well, to date, it's been the latter, but Congress, and we believe just the weight of responsibility uh, militates for caring about the former. Um, so. It's the split between legal supply, not quite legal demand, but tolerated. The FDA has also been very clear in what they haven't done. They haven't shut down anybody for putting CBD in their products. They've shut them down for making drug claims, for making health claims. Um, I wish that the bar were higher than that, and they would actually shut down people for not making things in non-GMP environments um, or for not meeting their label claims, which is a form of economically motivated food fraud that we just don't talk about very often, Um, but that is the world that we are in today. So I say that all as introduction to the idea that it is completely legal and clear path legal to develop CBD products, to work with a company like ours or one of our competitors to actually start seeing, hey, what might be the right format, the right application for a generalized anxiolytic like CBD? Um, in a, the context of a functional food, beverage, or supplement, what is, what do I need to learn about operating with this new bioactive? What does the degradation curve look like in my matrix? These are all questions that should be asked long before you decide to launch a product. They are all part of the development phase, and again, that phase is all legal. And we are working with a large a number of very large food companies who understand this, and they want to run a healthy process. They don't want to con- or FDA to come out with a rule and be sitting there saying well great now we've got nine to 18 months of development before we can feel safe and compliant putting a product on the shelves they want to say great we're off to the races now because we've already made that investment in development and the commercialization piece yeah we'll wait for it but we all know it's coming it's just a matter of when so why not start training now it's like if you're going to run a marathon you don't start thinking about running the marathon on the day the race begins like you do a lot of prep work in the interim. That's where we are saying why it's important to understand that distinction.
0: That is very true. I have run a half marathon only, but there's lots of training that goes into that. But I, I really appreciate you drawing that distinction there. So basically, anything that a company is doing prior to selling and marketing a product that is legal. So regardless of the amount of risk that they're willing to take on at whatever stage, they can rest assured that that part of the process is legal.
1: I believe so, and I am a lapsed attorney. I am not offering legal advice right now, and they should obviously have their own counsel, but I think any competent counsel that would look at this would come to the same conclusion. It's just the letter of the law. And if you look at the uh, letter that was sent out by, I believe, Senator Barkley just this week, they explicitly said this was the intention of the law, was to allow these products into the marketplace. So I don't feel like I'm overstepping my bounds to say that.
0: Well, thank you for breaking that down. Very, very helpful. And I want to dive into talking about one of the categories that you do work in, which is the beverage space. We know that there are a lot of CBD beverages in the marketplace currently. Do you think there's still room for new entrants into the category?
1: So, I mean, it depends on what your time horizon is. If you would just say today is the room, I mean, maybe today's shelves are few but crowded. The problem is that the retail capacity, the number of shelves available could expand dramatically with new regulation, at which point it's just a whole new ball game. So like right now you're limited to uh, retail partners who are willing to accept ingestible CBD. That today means mostly convenience stores. Um, you're not selling at Walmart, you're not selling at almost any grocery store. Um, You're not selling at most of the major places where consumers go out and purchase RTD beverages. So you've got to limit yourself to very expensive distribution channels. Um, And again, that's just not the majority of shelves that consumers buy RTD products from. So it's a limited universe of opportunity. But if suddenly Walmart and Amazon and ShopRite and all of the major uh, retailers start really, Walgreens start opening up, and putting CBD beverages on their shelves on Moss, then it's just a different retail environment and you've got to fill those shelves. And there are a lot of brands, even the ones out there today that probably couldn't meet that scale requirement. but there's other ones that really could and are ready and understand that that is a different market environment to play in than the one they currently are. So I think if you're, If your goal is just to build a brand for this market environment where, you know, Coca-Cola is because they don't want to put their existing business line at risk and you just want to compete against like smaller independents, you're going to have a rough time today. Like that's a pretty full up market. But if your plan is to really take a long-term view, to build a brand um, with a set, with a quality um, and a design that's meant for the mass market and with a plan to how to get distribution of that into the mass market once the regulatory unlocking occurs, then yeah, go for it. This is There's not gonna be much of a better opportunity to create space or get in on space that isn't already claimed by the major CPGs.
0: I would think that most people building a brand now should be thinking longer term. Um, I think that's the, the smart way to go. What does that mean to you long-term? Is it six months, a year, five years, 10 years? What does that look like?
1: I mean, I don't think you should ever start a company on the expectation that it would take less than five years to reach something worthwhile. Um, So if you're building a brand for six months from now, man, go pick another commodity, um, branded commodity. Uh, I just think the uncertainty is way too high. But. I I do think when we talk about long term, it's hard to put that into necessarily into specific timelines. Um, It's more about regulatory events, um, which obviously tie back to political events. We need this FDA to actually come out and say CBD can be used as a food or supplement um, according to certain requirements. And in accordance with good manufacturing practices, we need certifiers to get on board with quality measures of CBD. And at that point, That if you are building a company to operate in that environment, I I look at that as somebody who's looking for the long term. And I do hope that comes in the next, for CBD at least, 12 to 24 months maximum, even though we were expecting it 12 to 24 months ago, unfortunately. People just aren't moving.
0: So to build on that a little bit, given that the FDA has not yet clarified its position on regulating CBD in foods or in supplements, how would you recommend brands and even retailers think about proceeding with CBD now?
1: You know, I think it's important to be deliberate and explicit about the risks you are and are not willing to take. Willing to take the risk of not meeting your label claim. Well, then you should find, probably look at things like full and broad spectrum because it's okay because that's going to be variant. And if you don't worry about what degradation might happen or that's not your biggest risk, then I think it's okay to accept additional sources of variance like that. If your biggest risk is the preservation of your existing business line, then you probably shouldn't play in CBD because like what what is is anything worth uh, risking your existing business for if you're Coca-Cola? probably not if you're a smaller company this could be a real opportunity though to grow dramatically Um, we've seen similar risk tolerances and behaviors on like the banking side in cbd markets where you've got small community banks who don't have existing business lines to protect going all in on cbd and really seeing a high return off of it Um, they're getting new customers they're getting new access to capital it's when you the largest players are too scared to play in a space that's one of the greatest opportunities for smaller companies or more agile companies. Um, Similarly, I I think you have to balance the risk between developing versus commercializing, decide how far you're willing to go. Um, Oftentimes the biggest risks aren't even federal or have nothing to do with regulators. They have to do with your vendors. Um, you may be worried they're going to lose a banking relationship. You may be worried that a retailer will stop working with you. These are all questions that be, can be cleared up very quickly through some honest conversations um, up front, just to take people's temperature on it. I think a lot of times people have a lot of fears that are immediately dispelled through a single conversation. Um, and with CBD, especially when you're talking about a compound that has a whole lot going for it, and very little against it other than institutional momentum, it's really important to take a step back and reframe your fears and define them so that you can know whether they are rational or whether they're just your own form of momentum.
0: Definitely. And I, I like that you called it out, you know, having those conversations with every stakeholder, you know, who you're doing business with in, in the CBD space. That feels really, really important. And your final point there on kind of reframing it and, and taking a step, step back and looking at looking at the fears that, and and then putting it in the context of that longer term view of the business too. So um very helpful. I'm I'm eager to get your insight on this final question that I have because you clearly know the space. In- Inside and out, I've seen so many different brands growing their businesses around around the ingredient. I'm curious, what are the most common mistakes that CPGs make when they decide to innovate with CBD?
1: Uh, uh, believing what they read in a press release—that's uh, that's the number one, two, and three with a bullet. So. Without federal regulation, without FTC oversight, without FDA, people are free to say whatever they want. It is truly the Wild West right now. I think people are wildly overclaiming uh, what their products can do. They are making claims that would not be substantiable under FDA qu- grade, um, probably even under state grade. They are making all sorts of pharmacokinetic claims based on rodent studies of like an, with an N of three. Um, They are saying that they can meet certain scale targets that would make them large enough to to produce all of the CBD in the country on a daily basis. Um, There's just like a lot of very bold claims that all tend to fall apart upon the smallest amount of inspection. So I I think the most important thing you can do as a CPG company, if you want to have a successful innovation with with CBD, is to involve your technical team as early as possible and send them out to vet these people themselves. Don't let your business people drive this innovation other than in the broadest possible sense because they just don't have the tools most of the time to understand when they're being lied to. Your technical team, they should be able to go out there. You send your quality manager, you send your R&D chemist. Um, they in probably 15 minutes can suss out whether a partner is for real or not. Um, and that's what they're there for. You're paying them because they understand food science, food science, so you really should let them put that expertise to work
0: such excellent advice justin i'm sure anyone listening to this will benefit from taking those words to heart we really appreciate your time today so much valuable information and great insights and thank you for sharing that and thanks everyone for listening to supply side stories podcast today thanks justin
1: thanks so much for having me really appreciate it thank you for listening to the supply side stories podcast we are continually looking to improve your podcast experience and want to hear from you, the industry listener. Please take a moment to take our quick survey and provide your feedback at
0: naturalproductsinsider.com podcastsurvey podcast survey.